The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. morning, everyone, and welcome to the Source of Truth podcast. And thank you for joining us today as we continue in our study uh, through the life of Joseph and uh, under the theme, Living the Dream, as we look back at the dream that God was given, that God gave to Joseph, and how we see it just fulfilling itself even in the section of Scripture we find ourselves now. Uh, We're going to be in the exact same passage we were in yesterday, Genesis chapter 45. And as you're turning there, a couple quick things tonight. Again, we'd like to invite you, uh, if you're local and you do not have a church you attend, we'd love to invite you tonight to our midweek service. And so our, uh, we have something pretty much for everybody. We meet, the, the whole group meets in the auditorium. We do that predominantly for social distancing right now. Uh, but Scott Gober's teaching a lesson called Cameos of Courage from the books of either Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. And uh, really great study. So hope you can come for that. And then at the end of that time, there's a breakup time for prayer meeting. If you want to attend that, you can. You do not have to. Um, and then uh, teenagers will meet at the same time. They start in the gym and then they meet upstairs in their new youth room. The children meet down in the, uh, the youth wing, the students wing, and then they go back out to the gym towards the end. And then there's a nursery. So there's something for everybody and we'd invite you to come. Also, uh, if you like to participate, again, you'd like to become a mentor or somebody who is trained in discipling new believers or young Christians, uh, this is just the intro basics, very, really simple stuff. Uh, we'd love to invite you to join us to a class tomorrow at 7 o'clock that we'll meet in the office complex. Um, if you say, honestly, I don't feel comfortable being a mentor or a discipler, but I'd love to go through the class. Never done that. I'd love to work through the discipleship process. Um, this is a great time for you to come, ask a lot of questions, learn uh, the basics and get some good questions answered about the fundamentals of Christianity, the foundational beliefs. And so we'd love to have you come and join us again. That starts at 7. Uh, tomorrow night we will meet in the office complex. Genesis chapter 45 is where we are right now. And uh, again, I'm going to read a similar section, uh, actually the exact same section yesterday. There's so much we can pull from this. And as a matter of fact, one person texted me uh, stating what was in this passage that uh, I had already planned to deal with. And so I offered to let that person teach the class and they, they chose not to. I'm honestly being, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it was a really good point that they pointed out that what you see in the Old Testament, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago in the morning service, that the Word of God is all really one narrative. It all is a narrative pointing to Jesus, pointing to the Gospel, and the Old Testament points forward, the New Testament points back, and that's what we do. We did that Sunday night in the Lord's Supper. We look back at the cross, we look back at Jesus' sacrifice and what He did, and that's that's part of the narrative. And, and even Genesis 45 is all part of this narrative. Well, that's where we find ourselves, and what we're going to see today is the picture of Christ found in Jesus through the aspect of forgiveness. Genesis chapter 45 says this, Then when Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, uh, and, and he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with your brethren, with yourselves, that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. 
For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall be neither earnings nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Now, when we look at this side, what we see is this picture of Joseph as the picture of Jesus Christ. And let me explain how it is. Joseph has a legitimate reason for hurt. I mean, the brothers vindictively, they contemplated killing him. They hated him so much that the contemplation was, how do we get rid of Joseph? And the first simple thought was, let's just kill this kid. And that was the thought. So they threw him in this pit, kind of holding on to him, took his coat of many colors and threw him in the pit with the premise, we're going to kill him. And actually, while they debated on it, um, all of a sudden they had a chance. Merchants came by and they sold him into slavery. They thought, man, we'll get rid of him. He'll probably die anyway. And we get some money out of this. There was an awful lot of just evil, evil in this entire scenario. And then, uh, then they go back and they lie to their father. And it's, so you can look at just the, the heart condition, the evil that took place in reality. And it's, again, it's because we know the story and how it ends. We have a tendency to miss the absolute depravity that took place in this scenario. So just like that, the Bible tells, call, says that we in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Rages of uh, Romans 6, 23, the wages, the punishment of sin is death. Now that verse finishes, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But it starts with how bad sin is and what it deserves. And so uh, we a similar scenario. We have sinned against God. We have shall we say, spit in his face. The, the depravity that we see in Joseph's brother and what they did is the same depravity that sits in our heart every day. And until we recognize that, we can never really come to Jesus and really accept forgiveness. So we see how the similarities of the brother, but then we see his response. When Jesus was given the opportunity, you know, he comes, you know, he could have, God and Jesus could have just wiped it. In fact, in Genesis 6, due to the depravity, they, they wiped the earth clean, except for Noah and his family always leaving one opportunity for grace and mercy. And don't get me wrong, there was a hundred plus years where Noah built the ark and where grace and mercy were offered to those people. Please understand, there's always that opportunity. Uh, but that same, same, similar idea. God could have done it again. He said, no, I'm going to go down and I'm going to give my life for these people. So he sends his son, Jesus. He goes down and the greatest cost ever, he goes to the cross to pay a punishment for sin he did not commit. Joseph found himself in uh, slavery, he found himself in prison for something he did not do twice. He didn't do any of it. Again, similar picture of Jesus Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. When I say a picture, Joseph was not Christ. Joseph was Joseph. But the picture in the Old Testament was of the similar thing that Jesus did for us in the New Testament, in the Gospels. So he came and he laid himself willingly on the cross because of our sin. And he offered absolute, unconditional forgiveness. As a matter of fact, Jesus forgave you at the cross. He said, it is finished. The sin of mankind was dealt with at the cross. Forgiveness was given. Forgiveness was offered. The, and if you go to hell, if you decide not to accept Jesus and find yourself in hell, it's literally because you've chosen not to accept his forgiveness because it's already there. You don't have, all you have to do is accept it. I mean, you ask for it and you say, Lord, please forgive me, but he's already done it, really. We just need to accept that. So, what we should, what we first thing we see in this is the forgiveness that God offers to us absolutely unconditionally. But like where we can be like Christ, how do we take that, first of all, accept that forgiveness? Realize we don't earn it. Realize it's nothing we've done and it's because of the grace, mercy, and amazing person of Jesus Christ that we have received forgiveness. And then how do we in turn offer that same forgiveness? We can't offer in the same way Jesus does because we're human. 
but we should strive to offer forgiveness because God's told us to. And Peter said, if someone offends me seven times a day, how, or offends me, how often should I forgive them? Seven times, which is the number of perfection. And Jesus looks down 70 times seven, simply saying, anytime that I have been offended, I should forgive. So why forgive? When we talk about this and we talk about the idea of forgiveness, first of all, please understand something. I'm going to just give you a simple understanding of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not forgetting. All right, forgiveness is not, well, I'm going to forgive them today and then, whew, I never have to deal with it again. Unfortunately, you may have to struggle with your, in your heart with it for years to come. But forgiveness is, the, forgiveness is the beginning process of the healing. You can't heal from the hurt. You can't heal from the battles. You can't move forward until forgiveness has been given. Now, the person may never ask for it. The person may never accept it. The person may say, I don't care. They may never acknowledge their wrong where the need of forgiveness is. Think about this. Jesus has offered forgiveness to millions of people who will never ask him for it, who will never accept it, who will ultimately, against his greatest desire, will ultimately end up in a place called hell simply because they refuse to accept the wonderful, simple forgiveness and grace of God. But just like he gave us that example, just because someone doesn't ask me doesn't mean God says, hey, I, you know, I can hold it over. Forgiveness is that first step for me to heal, for me to move forward. And if I feel like I don't have to forgive for whatever reason, then I hold on, it can turn into bitterness and all kinds of other things. So as I was just thinking about this, I wrote down four thoughts that I think we can kind of see in this passage where Joseph, these were true when he forgave, and I think are absolutely necessary. So many, 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 many more principles in the aspect of forgiveness. Please, this is not all of them. These are just some thoughts pulled from this passage. Number one, forgiveness does not ignore what took place. Joseph looked down at his brother. He says, I am Joseph who you sold into slavery. Don't be angry at yourself. God had a plan. He immediately acknowledged, listen, I didn't act like it didn't happen. <laughs> in fact, I'm going to remind you of what happened. Forgiveness does not act like or does not ignore what took place. We say, well, I... Pastor, I can't, you know, one of the reasons, let me, let me rephrase this, one of the reasons in marriage counseling we talk about, people say, well, why won't you forgive somebody? And here, here is the reason many counselors believe. The moment I, when I don't forgive, I feel like I, have, I carry the right to hold this over their head. Like the thing they did to me, the thing they did to hurt me, I can hold it over their head and, and somehow I have the upper hand and, 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 you know, I'm the victim and all these things and, oh, I don't have to forgive because I forgive, they get away with it. They're not going to get away with it. In most cases, they don't even realize you're holding it over their head. But we also say, the moment I do, I act like it never happened. No, 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 just the opposite. I recognize it happened, and then I give it to God through forgiveness. It is not easy. I'm not saying that. So, but don't go into this idea, I can't forgive because I can't forget. You will not probably not forget. You will heal from it. Forgiveness is not, first of all, does not ignore its place. Number two, forgiveness recognizes that God can turn bad into good. Forgiveness recognizes, shall I even simplistically say forgiveness recognizes the sovereignty of God. In the sovereignty of God, and when, even in something that was meant so purposely, like these brothers, so purposely, and you can say, man, that person was mean, they were hurtful, they might have been absolutely evil when they did what they did, but God can make that into good. It's the entire premise of the story. God can turn someone else's most miserable and evil intent against you for your good. Frankly, can I tell you this? He can use it for your good. He can use it for their good. And he can use it for his glory. You say, how do you do that? My good. Uh, you know that God can use bad scenarios in my life to help me. They grow me. They teach me patience. James said that kind of joy when you fall into diverse temptations. He can use these bad things to help make me stronger, mature me, patience. And then it's for his glory. But you know what can also do? 
the person who messed up might ultimately, through the realization of what they've done, come to repentance themselves. That's what God's in. He's in the, he's in the pit business of redemption. So when we see this, uh, we have to recognize that forgiveness realizes the sovereignty of God, that God can turn what they intended to really do to hurt me for good. It's really how he works. So, but if I don't forgive, then I'm not willing to let it go and just let God do what he wants to do. Then I live in this battle, I live in this pain, and I develop this bitterness, and it ultimately brings an awful lot of hurt and pain. So forgiveness has an ignorance of place, but it recognizes what, that God can turn bad into good. Number three, forgiveness is Christ-like. You see, but I'm not Christ, and I'm never told to be Christ. I'm striving to be like Christ. Jesus had no reason to sit upon that cross. He could have any time said not. He did it because of obedience to God and his love for us. He endured the most gruesome pain any human being has ever endured simply because of how much God hates sin. And he did it because of how much he loves you. His love for you was greater than his, sin, than his hatred of sin. And he hung there. And then what did he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, when we get hurt, we're so ready to be vindictive and angry and God said, don't do it. Just, God, please recognize they don't even really understand what's going on. May we just be Christ-like in that. Number four, forgiveness is as much about me as the, as the one I'm forgiving. Yes, forgiveness, when someone asks me, I'm relieving them of their guilt and I'm giving them freedom and moving on. But can I encourage you, in most situations, forgiveness is probably more about me than it is about the person who has offended me. See, if I don't forgive <clears throat> for whatever reason, they didn't ask me or... Um, they didn't ask me right, or I don't believe it, or they've done it again, or when they never talked to me again, all these different things. Somehow in my mind, I get this idea that I can hold it over their head, and what do I do? I, I hold it over their head. And then I think about it, and then I dwell on it, and I become bitter. And then the Bible says the root of bitterness springs up to files others. It becomes my identity. It becomes who I am. So here, here's simply what it was. The person that I am refusing to forgive so I can hold it over their head literally has caused a pain in my life that will stick with me for the rest of my life and will affect every relationship I'm in. My church relationships, my marriage relationship, my family relationships. All And what I'm doing is that I'm letting this person who really hurt me, I'm letting them, their hurt and their actions affect me for the rest of my life. Forgiveness doesn't just release them from you, which it does if they ask me for forgiveness. Forgiveness releases me from this overwhelming pain that's been brought to me and allows me to move on in spite of their evil, in spite of their unwillingness to ask. It's the freedom that I want to get. When people go to hell, they go outside in spite of the forgiveness of God. He's already offered it. We need to just let it go and, and forgive and move on because it brings healing to us, which is probably as much or more important than releasing that person. Please understand, if someone comes and asks for forgiveness, you offer it. The healing comes later. Trust has to be reestablished. We don't just act like, you know, they really hurt us and tomorrow we're best friends. There's nowhere in Scripture where it says that. In fact, I believe it's a simple principle. You can forgive, and then if they want to really develop a relationship, it's a slow process of regaining and redeveloping trust. God, for, if, I, if I go out and live in sin, God lets me come back. But just like the prodigal son, the younger son could come home, but it, the next day was different. The older son had everything. So please understand, you don't just come back and act like it didn't happen. You know, what we do will follow us, but God's forgiveness still comes. He still offers forgiveness, and he does want us to be able to have a great brand new life. So we're not asking to act like it didn't happen. We're, we're recognizing that God can turn what is meant to be hurtful for my, my good and his glory. It is Christ-likeness, and it's really more about me than it is about the person I'm forgiving. If I can recognize these four simple principles, Joseph recognized 
that God uses to protect his family, and that's why he's there. And if God can use it, praise the Lord. Joseph recognized they really did hurt me, but it doesn't matter. Joseph realized God's got a plan, and I want to example like God. And forgiveness was about him being able to put an end to this chapter and move forward and embrace everything that God had brought into his life at this point. I tell you, I hope we can learn to embrace the truth. This is one of the hardest things we will do. And sometimes you got to forgive every morning to be able to grow and heal. May we do that and allow God's redemptive work to have its full freedom in our lives and the lives of others. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you have a great rest of your day. We hope to see you tonight, either here on property or online at 7 o'clock. And we just look forward to a great time together tonight. And we hope you have a great remainder of the week. And we're so thankful for joining us today. Uh, We'll look forward to seeing you next time.